Welcome to ALSD's Message of the Week. Pastor Steve brings the powerful word concerning litigation, reconciliation, and grace through 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I've titled this The Messy Legal System. I don't know if that is a characterization that you would have put on the uh, legal system, but uh, it's interesting because we're about to look at something that is in one sense very cultural of the time. We're going to understand some of the cultures. You and I are going to look at that. But also, it's so relevant to today. And it's going to be one of those messages that will probably challenge some of us because we live in a world where litigations are all over the place. Uh, matter of fact, you know, if you, it depends on what you're reading. There's probably more litigations happening than ever. Uh, people are suing people, going to court, all kinds of things. And it's, it's just, it really speaks to what is something, we talked a little bit about it last week, you know, the Matthew 18 principle, Pastor Ken uh, laid that out, did a great job just kind of opening the door there, and it all is fitting together. Um, and, and this is such an important understanding. This is basically what's happening, I want you to understand, and this is kind of, I, I think, common in the church today and throughout, you know, and what I'm saying throughout the world, especially here, I think, in the Western world, is in this particular the Corinthian church, the old ways of thinking and behaving, you know how it is you do really well in the beginning and you become a believer and you sort of push away a lot of old behaviors and, and thoughts and whatnot. And then I've noticed if we don't maintain real strong discipline and consistency and just you stay in the word and a good fellowship and community and all the things that are important that we've talked about, then all of a sudden an old life can kind of reinvade you old ways of thinking, even some of the old patterns, some of the things that we thought, well, I thought I was done with this. You ever say that, where you kind of all of a sudden you wake up to something you've done, or you realize, I thought I was done with this? What is wrong? And you kind of, kind of beat yourself up a little bit, and you kind of go, and it can be discouraging. I think there was some discouragement in the Corinthian church because uh, they were starting to get back to feeling envious for one another. They were jealous they were critical, um, and they were starting to take advantage of each other, uh, relationally, financially. I mean, all the kinds of things that we would hope would never happen within a church community. And one of the big things they started to do was compromising, compromising their values, compromising uh, the things that, were, that they knew were important to them. In the beginning, now it wasn't as important. And so sin was no longer looked upon as something that was as terrible as it used to be. And so now they were tolerating all kinds of sins. And we're going to, we'll, we'll be talking about it throughout the, the next couple of weeks. We're not going to get all of it today. I want you to know that, you know, I'm not going to turn the fire hose on you. We're going to, we're going to, but there's so much information here in this chapter. Um, you know, basically, um, I just love this. You ever um, hear the statement, you know, just don't hang out your dirty laundry for everyone to see? You ever heard that statement? Yeah, we were traveling through Europe not too long ago, and actually I think we were in Rome, and everyone hangs out their dirty laundry there. Uh, you know, that's just part of the culture, right? I mean, it's just so great, you know, you're walking down the street, and, you know, in front of the windows are all the, the things that you don't want to see, you know. And uh, there's, anyway, just all their laundry is just all over the place. And I, and I thought about that. This is a picture from, from that um, trip. But the, I, the idea is that, and I think that kind of summarizes, because I want you to understand that. What the Apostle Paul is, is speaking by way of the Holy Spirit, I want you to understand when we say Apostle Paul, this is not like his opinion and his soul thoughts. This is the Spirit of God speaking 
through him, and then it's, it's really been time-tested, if you will. This is, this is truth. And he's saying, basically, church, don't hang out your dirty laundry for everyone to see. Now, let's just read through this together. Would you turn with me, to, again, if you're not there, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'm going to read from the New King James Version. I'm going to use, actually, two versions, uh, New King James, and we'll look at uh, New Living Translation as well. But let's just read through. I want to read through an entirety and just let's listen to this word and kind of appreciate it. So here we go, verse 1, chapter 6. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are at least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to shame, to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. Notice exclamation point. <laughs> now therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat. And you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor uh, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortionists will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, and such were some of you. Verse 11 is an amazing verse. I'm so glad we're going to end with that. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Can you say amen to that? So no matter how you look at the first 10 verses, we have verse 11. <laughs> that's a, that's, that's, that is an amazing, amazing verse. Let's pray as we jump into this. Lord, thank you again for this word and for the opportunity to move into an, a discussion, an, an understanding, a teaching of a very important word, especially for today. We ask for your blessing. Uh, help us to understand. Help us to listen really well. Help us to receive what you have for us. And I pray it'll challenge some of us. It'll challenge how we do life, how we do relationships, and how it is we resolve conflicts. So bring blessing to this in Jesus' name. Amen, church? Amen. Well, you know, hanging out your dirty laundry basically is the overall theme. And you've got to realize that there were a lot of things that they were struggling with. The church was, at this time, starting to become divided, conflicted. Uh, I think the church was becoming angry. I think a lot of the people within the context of living life were becoming angry. Uh, there was a lot of an, uh, internal strife. Uh, there, I mean, we know from this, that, and there was an exceptional amount of immorality going on. And it wasn't just in the world, it was now happening in the church. And so what was happening in the world was now, if you will, being, and I want to say it this way, being allowed to take place in the church. And a lot of people were just kind of looking the other way to a lot of the things that were going on. And so what the Word is doing is bringing something very practical to us and help us to understand how to do life. Uh, 
Now, at this time, you should understand the Athenian approach to the legal system because, you know, you've got to understand a little bit of the background. Now, I'm not going to give you a history lesson, although I was tempted to, but I don't have enough time because the, 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 a lot of, uh, and again, a lot of our legal system is sort of uh, comes from this. Not in, obviously not exact, but some of the basic principles of democracy and representation and a lot of things that we now appreciate today stems from what was going on during the time the Corinthian church existed and the time it was written. At this time, uh, in terms of what took place, they had eight major courts that we know of. Now, I was thinking about, uh, you know, eight major, that sounds like a lot of courts, right? That's nothing compared to what we have. You think about all the different types of courts, right? I mean, you've got all kinds of, you know, you know, family court. You've got small claims courts. You've got, you know, your state court, your federal court, your Supreme Court, and you've got district courts. And, and you've got all kinds of specialized courts. Uh, my favorite, you ever watch traffic court? <laughs> oh, I love people's... That is so fun to watch the traffic court. This guy's from, I said, from British Columbia, so they talk differently, you know, and then all the things that they do. But I mean, it's just, it's so fun to watch him listen to people trying to get out of a ticket, you know, and it's just great. And every now and then, he just looks at him. I like what he says. This guy's great. He goes, you know, I think I'm just going to be graceful today. I'm going to give you grace because you deserve a ticket. And then he says, dismissed for whatever reason he was listening to. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've learned in life, judges have a lot of power. You know, I've learned that uh, in a lot of my professional life and experiences. I've learned that from listening to a lot of you share your stories and whatnot. And I've learned this from other professionals that, um, you know, judges, they can be a little bit scary. I just had this conversation with someone who dealt with a court case and it did not go the way that they had hoped it would. And it was devastating. Um, I mean, it was very powerful, a, a very hard thing. So at this time, you basically, and the system was, and this is what I want you to get, I love the system because we learn from that. So if you have a conflict or dispute in terms of the secular world, in terms of how this was going on, again, I'm simplifying this because some of you are experts in this, so I'm not going into a lot of detail. But basically, you would deal with arbitration. So what would happen is that, you know, if you had a conflict with someone, and let's say I had a conflict with Gail, and so we, we just we, we had you know some uh, dealings, a, a financial matter, whatever, and and we just disagreed. So what would happen in this system is she would go find an arbitrator, I would get an arbitrator, and then our arbitrators would, <clears throat> along with us, would talk, and then we'd have discussion, and then the two arbitrators would go meet with the third arbitrator, and then they would meet together, and then they would come back with a judgment, and then we would live with it. Now, if I didn't like it, though, then I could take her to one of the lower courts. And that, there were four lower courts. I mean, I love the lower courts, right? I, I love the, there was the middle, the greater, the red, and the green. I think I'm going to go with the red court because that's the one we, I mean, there were different reasons for that, but that's how they described it. And then we could, but at this point, this is what I would call the lower people's court. Because at this time, it wasn't like going before a judge. You went in front of no less than 201 people. And so what would happen is 201 people would show up to your court case and they would be listening to the arguments and then they would weigh in and actually vote as to who would win. 
and it's 201, so that way it can't be an even split, right? Because what do you do? 100 to 100, so you have 201. It could go up to 500. Can you imagine 501 people listening to your case? Would that not be? That'd be like all of us here together right now, and I was bringing a case, and then you would listen to it, and then you all get a chance to vote. And there was a, there was a unique way that they, throughout the years, voted. Now, if we didn't like that, then we could go to the higher people's court. Usually that was reserved for capital cases or for crimes that might result in capital uh, punishment. And, but in this course, you could have up to 6,001 people. Can you imagine 6,001 people listening to a situation and then they all get to vote and what they vote is what's going to happen? So you had this Basically, what we would call private arbitration, then you would have your first recourse, your second recourse. And what, what we learn from this at this time in the secular environment is that this society was producing a very self-serving environment that actually created and enjoyed and, listen, was entertained by disputes. Because when you, when you read, the, and again, I did, I did way too much reading and studying. I did a lot of studying before we, we traveled to Greece. And so uh, Lois and I and uh, Richard and Debbie, we went through all these lessons. And it just was amazing, all the things you can learn about. I mean, it's like going, going back to school. And you learn that they overall were entertained by the court system. So, you know, it would be like, hey, let's go out Saturday night and listen to the big court case. And you're joined with, you could be up to 6,000 people listening to this case and all the drama of it and all the thing that was going on. And you, I just kind of had this image, you know, you bring your sack lunch with you or your special dinner and lay out the, and, hey, okay, we're going to be entertained to this whole idea of the legal system. And so everything was put on display. And I thought, this is what Paul's writing about. This is part of what he's addressing, is that church people were taking each other to these courts and putting not only themselves, but the church on display in a very negative light. And they were coming to this situation and they were attacking each other. And that's why if you think about some of the things that was written in this passage, like how dare you take each other to open court in a secular setting, embarrassing yourself, embarrassing the church, and embarrassing, if it was possible, the very nature of the gospel. Because now we're not acting in accordance to the way God has given us instruction. This is pretty serious stuff. And I was thinking how unbelievably relevant this is today. Because if you're thinking, oh, we would never... We might not, obviously we don't have a system where we gather 6,000 jurists together, right? We, I mean, we're probably 6 to 12 and, you know, really don't have crowds like that. And, but our whole system somewhat comes from that understanding of this time. But I thought, we are entertained by the legal system. This is relevant today. You don't believe me? Watch this. Today on America's Court. In my about equity. You are about to enter the courtroom of Judge Judith Scheindler. On today's Judge Joe Brown. You took the car without authorization. You wrecked it. He let me drive in. What does that have to do with anything? Justice with Judge Maybelline will be light. 
Justice with passion. You may be seated. He signed a piece of paper. He gave you the snake. Then you bring a snake into the home with two small chihuahua. And you know what? <laughs> At the end of the day, no matter what happens, look into that little face and do the right thing. Good day. Come on, Mr. Can you see a minute of that? All right. Courts in session. <laughs> I mean, I got to tell you, you look at that, are we not entertained by our judicial system? I mean, I got to tell you, there, I, I like when, I, when I'm working out and I'm bored, I, I, I like listening to court cases. I just, I, I love watching people. I just and, and the judges and all the dynamics are going on and it's just it's kind of interesting and I'm thinking wow they really thought they could get away with that <laughs> it's crazy sounds like church um, <laughs> and here's what the word of God is telling us is that you are judges but you're also peacemakers and I think we got to understand what both is happening if you look again, let me read again from a different version, uh, the first six verses, and uh, we're going to take this apart. It says, Dare any of you, having a matter against one another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? There's a question mark, it's rhetorical. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not um, do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? I mean, let's stop there for a second. Let's think about what's going on here. I mean, can, you can see what's being communicated. In other words, it's really, it's pretty simple that you think about it. When Christians have a dispute or a conflict with each other, the best choice of actions is to try to settle the matter within the church. So what happens is, is that two believers are having a dispute, and so obviously the first part would be, again, Matthew 18, right? And you go talk to each other, you try to resolve it, and hopefully that is what's coming. Because here's what the Word is saying. If you're a believer in Jesus, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little strong with you. I'm going to challenge you. If you're a believer in Jesus, you should be able to get on your side of this. Now, I realize that doesn't always happen. But really, it's saying is, I mean, someday the word is saying, you're going to judge angels. God is going to give you a responsibility uh, that is, I mean, you look at this and you begin to understand what this is saying. And it's saying, well, if you're going to have these really big, you're going to be in the Supreme Court of, of heaven, if you will, then how is it you can't handle everyday matters? How is it you can't resolve the small things? Now, I realize they may not seem small to you, but how is it that two brothers or sisters in Christ, two families in Christ, you know, however it is from two business owners in Christ, how is it that they cannot sit down together and resolve the issue? Now, again, sometimes it happens. And so what do you do? Well, take them to court. The word is saying, well, that's an option. It's, now, I studied this, and I want you to hear this. It's not forbidding you to go to court. 
But the problem with that is if you go to court, the word is saved, now you're going to be subjected to a secular decision by a judge who probably isn't a believer in Jesus. And even if they are, they may place the law higher than, let's say, a biblical principle, and you're going, well, that doesn't seem right biblically. And that might be correct, but it doesn't matter because you are now subjected to that legal system. And so you have to then bear the consequences of that. But it's saying, so let's at least try to figure this out ourselves. And so if two people can't do it, then you come and you ask for help. And then, and we actually have trained professionals who do mediation, who can sit and help and guide you through the process and resolve these issues. It was interesting, years and years ago, I went through that process. I was certified to do that kind of stuff. And we have a number of other people. And it is an amazing process. And it is something that then helps us to maintain because you pray, you seek God, you go through the process that is you know, a healthy process. And then hopefully it comes out in a way that we all then can move forward without doing damage. Because I've watched Christians take Christians to court, especially when they're going to the same church. Guess what happens? They stop going to the same church if it isn't done well. Because right. now you're mad at each other. It's a great way to, again, you know, d- you know, divide and get in trouble. Are you with me on this? So the Word of God is saying, listen, dare, I love it, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous, that's the secular, and not before the saints, that's us? And so, I mean, in the Jewish custom of court, you would go to the rabbi, and the rabbi would try to resolve it. If not that, then it could go to the Sanhedrin, which was the group of leaders and elders of the community, and then they could hear it. And and there's a number of different ways that that would be fashioned, but it was still being formed within the concept of the community. goes on and says, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And, and if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? <laughs> I mean, you begin to realize how much of the entirety of God's word is so important to this. Because we have to begin to understand, not only is this just a simple practical understanding, but now we make application to grace and forgiveness and biblical principles And that's why there is so much all of a sudden in a situation, there could be 12 different things going on. And that's why you need someone who knows what they're doing and understands the Word of God. He can help guide you through that process in a way that's healthy. But it's really saying we should be able to do this because this is the highest way to go. This is the high road as opposed to the low road. That doesn't mean you can't go to court. Again, it's not saying you can't go to court. But then you've got to realize what could happen. Do you not know that we shall judge angels how much more things that pertain to this life? I mean, I basically, the Word of God is, is trying to bring, I think, some, uh, I think, conviction here. The idea is saying you should be convicted about how you're acting and treating each other. I mean, you're, you need to act like believers, right? Now, it goes on and says, 
If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, uh, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church uh, uh, to judge? I mean, you, you, you want to then bring people, the word is saying, who know what they're doing. I want you to know something. We have people who know what they're doing. And so, so I say this to shame you. Is it so that there is not, and it's kind of almost a sarcastic statement, is it not a wise man among you, not even one, who will be able to judge between his brethren? I mean, it's almost kind of like you, you almost hear, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah here, and God saying, can't you find at least one righteous person in your midst? Um, and if you can't, then we're in trouble. But I, I believe that we can find at least one. And so this is a bit of a rhetorical question. I'm saying, of course we can find one to sit and help bring about, you know, a, a correct uh, a judgment, if you will, in a situation. But brother goes to law against brother and before unbelievers. And again, this is the point of what was happening. He's saying, why should we go in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people and, you know, put out our dirty laundry here and then fight and argue and debate and, and be mean and nasty and vindictive and hurtful and let everyone see how believers in Jesus really act. And I think, man, that is convicting to me. Because we, we really do need to be better than that. But what was happening is the church wasn't better than that. And I sometimes wonder if we are better than that. I believe we can be. I am so hopeful. I am so hopeful for what we can do and act as a community of believers who want to really live the right way, who want to do things the right way, and recognize the, the cost of, 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 you know, there is a benefit to doing it the right way as well as there's a cost for doing it the wrong way. Again, I want you to understand, if you feel like there is little options that you have and you need to go to court, it, this scripture is not saying you can't, but you need to understand what the... Now, again, we're dealing with believer against believer. We're dealing with people who are within the community. This is not addressing, let's say you're going against, you know, uh, and I was thinking about this because he was very careful in addressing the, the specific situation here now so let's say you're dealing with an unbeliever and you're a believer and you're trying to resolve well it's unlikely that an unbeliever a secular person has nothing to do with church is going to submit to oh yes yeah, we'll see your pastor and figure it out now they might but that's probably unlikely and in that case then you'd probably need to go to uh, a regular court and then deal with it and he's not saying you can't do that you're still going to face the consequences, though, of what that is going to mean. And, and it's so critical that we learn, because being a peacemaker is a huge concept. Right. I mean, the idea of trying to find grace in a situation, forgiveness in a situation. Listen, I know what it's like to get hurt. I know what it's like when your heart is bleeding. I know what it's like when you feel like it's been unfair. I know it's, I mean, you know what it's like, and it's just, it's painful. And, and somehow we think, if I can somehow make this right, and I've heard the term, I, I need to be whole again. But let me tell you, no amount of money is going to make you whole again. 
because now we're dealing with something deep inside. And that's what makes us whole, is Jesus working inside of us. And that's very real and practical. That's why a lot of times you go through all this process, and I've talked to a lot of people, and so how did it go? You know, they got done with their case, and they go, well, it's done. You know, and you kind of feel yucky. And I think the best thing they can say is, well, it's done. Because there's so much stress and anxiety and pressure going through all this. And it's like, because I just had someone who it didn't go well. And the person said to me, well, at least I'm relieved now because it's over. And, I can, and the person said, I can get on with my life. But it was, again, such a, a tragic situation. Two believers going to court. And that judge was not a righteous judge. And so they dealt with the consequences. So the Word of God is giving us and saying, yeah, you're going to be judges, but you're also peacemakers. And so what an important balance the Word of God is bringing to us. Next slide. And so the reality of, and I love this, is we're ambassadors. So here's the higher principle. I want you to understand this because this is a continuation of instruction to the Corinthian church. And I want you to nail this down. It says, and all, of, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back himself through Christ. And listen, God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world himself, no longer counting people sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Now, can you see the legal terms in there? You should, because there's legal language being used here. And he's saying, here's the, here's the highest call, reconciliation. You see, we should be looking as ambassadors to think of how can we reconcile relationships? How can we resolve this dispute? How can we bring this conflict into, into the light of God's word and God's grace? You know, how often is it that probably the best thing we could be doing in a conflict, and I've said this to people, I said, listen, before you and I talk, here is your homework assignment. Go talk to Jesus, and then come back and tell me what he says to you. You know, a lot of times it changes, not all the time, but a lot of times people come back and say, well, I went and hung out with Jesus, and I think I heard him say X, Y, Z, and it wasn't what they originally tended, A, B, and C. <laughs> Can you into that? I love it when Jesus takes care of stuff. But the higher call isn't to win the dispute, but to bring about reconciliation. I mean, you think about it, are we living with a ministry of reconciliation? Are you an ambassador for Christ? Wherever you go, you look to bring about reconciliation, and you are a peacemaker. Can you see into that, church? Yeah. It goes on, and we learn now, therefore, it is, already, it, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against, I love that, one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? I mean, those are rhetorical questions. He's saying, listen, here's the highest road. And this is, I had this conversation with someone, I said, so what's so wrong with you just apologizing? Why is it so important for you to be right in every situation? Come on. 
You know you need to be right. Right, Pat? You and me. We're always right, right? Amen. That's right. And the person said, well, I don't know. I said, I, I have an idea. I think your pride is getting in the way. Because they know with me, it's my pride. It's the pride that, you know, I, I, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to, I, I want to be right. And I want to win. You know, life can seem very competitive for a lot of us. And we live a competitive life. And so here's what this is saying. No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brother. In other words, he's saying, you know what? Here's where it's really wrong is you take each other to court. Rather than maybe taking the high road and saying, you know what? This isn't really worth it. Because I don't want to injure my in biblical integrity or my witness of who Jesus is in my life. And sometimes you got to let things go. And so the word is saying here, why could you not just let this go? Why did you have to let this become a conflict to the extent that, you know what, division took place? I have seen this happen, and you're going to, boy, let me, if I'm intense, it's because I've seen this happen a lot in the church between people in relationships where people are just, they get staunch, they get locked in a position, and then you got, you know, two families, two individuals, and usually what happens is they end up both leaving because they can't look and be around each other because all they see and feel is hurt and pain. And then they, they come to me, and then I get, this is part of my life, and I get into the involved situations, and we try to navigate through them. And a lot of times we're talking about relational integrity. I'm saying to someone, are you willing to rise above this? And they'll say, well, I'm really hurt. I, I, I can't. I said, why can't you let this go? And, and I want you to hear this. Now, this is a challenging statement. If we are a believer in Jesus and the spirit of God of Jesus is in you and the word of God is in you, then you can let it go. Because that's exactly what the word is saying is, would it not be better to take the high road in this? And it says, look what he says, and let ourselves be cheated. I mean, you're thinking, no way on this planet is anyone going to win over that in me. No way on this is someone going to be able to, I mean, I know how challenging this is. Because I have made those decisions where I have let people walk away having cheated me. Financially, relationally. And I said, you know what, it's, at, at the end of the day, I'm going, it's not worth it. Because this is a brother or sister in Christ that I care about and I love. And I want to know that. And you know what? I'm going to let this thing go. It's kind of hard, isn't it? That's why this is such a challenging word. It's, it's so practical. It's like, you know, so what's really important? You winning or the gospel of Jesus and the message of Jesus and the integrity of who we are? that that rises to the top, or I win rises to the top. And that's what was going on in the church. It's like, you know, the Word is saying everyone wanted to win, and everyone was forgetting grace and mercy and letting it go. I've got to be right. I mean, it's just like back then, it's today. One of the biggest problems in the church is pride. 
man, I love you guys, but every one of us has pride to deal with. So I just want you to relax. If you're wondering who I'm talking about, I'm talking to all of you. <laughs> you may think, well, he's looking at me way too much right now. <laughs> That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then the good news is we're transformed. Our transformation is from what we were into who we are in Christ. I mean, I love this because you look at this passage, it says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And it goes this long list of, of sin and says, all of these folks here will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I love his statements. And such were some of you. So before you want to pick up the stone and throw it, you're in this list. And you're thinking, well, that's, I'm not in that list. Well, if you read the Ten Commandments, you're on the list. <laughs> I mean, listen, let me help you out. Everyone's in this list. So don't even worry. Don't, don't hurt your brain thinking where you fit in. Because you may not have said, well, I've never actually done that. But a lot of times we do it in our head. And you remember, Jesus really messed it all up. <laughs> he said, not only is behaving, but what goes on in your head. I just don't like that. Right? Really, I mean, that's a hard one. Because now it comes down to the depth of our heart. And now we're even dealing with not only what we do, but what we think. Oh, boy. I got to tell you, what, every time I say this, I am so thankful for repentance and forgiveness. Because I realize I got to deal with my thoughts as well as my actions. And that's what's saying. And so he says, oh, yeah, some of you were there. But you were washed sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So we've been transformed by the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and God's Word. We're washed, sanctified, and justified. Can you see a bit of that? In other words, you've been washed clean by the blood of Christ. This is just a direct application saying, have you not forgotten that the blood of Christ has washed away your sins? The whole point of while you're going and kicking the people around you and you're, you're going into conflict with people around you, have you not forgotten that Jesus paid the highest price by his blood to wash you so that what you were is not who you are? How dare you then just run people into court realizing the work of what Jesus has done and how can we forget that? Like it doesn't matter. And you've been sanctified, right? You've been, that's a fancy word for you've been set apart for a different way of living life. Yes. I think this is the struggle of the church today. We forget we have been set apart. We are to talk, act, and live differently. There should be, and here's kind of the point, a difference between who we are as believers and who people are who don't have Christ. So where when we transact actions and and we transact uh, any kind of business or customer service or relational interaction, the Word of God saying, you've been sanctified. So now you do it differently. You talk a little differently. You react differently. You live differently. That's part of we'll be talking about when we talk about marriages. Mar our marriages as believers is, is called to be different. And sometimes we forget that we're to act differently. 
and not like everybody else. This is very challenging. And that you've been justified. Again, that legal term, and how is it that we're justified? By the cross. The only reason that you and I have any hope for the future is because the work of the cross that Jesus did for us, he died for us, he conquered death and hell, he rose, he ascended, and now we've been justified because someday we will be judged. He's referring back to the reality, you will be judged before the great throne of judgment, the Bema, you will be judged, and the only reason you and I are getting through is because all of a sudden Jesus stands here and says, look at me. Don't look at Steve, because let me tell you, Steve's in trouble. It doesn't matter. I'm in trouble no matter what. But because the judgment at that moment, Jesus stands and says, let me get in front of you, Steve. And all of a sudden, the Lord God sees Jesus and says, yeah, wow, that's perfect. (laughs) You can go. And I'm just sneaking in. (laughs) Because the only reason I'm getting through is because Jesus was perfect is perfect and will always be perfect and he stands in the gap for you now realizing that you have been washed sanctified and justified notice the past tense it also is an interesting word the greek word there and the verb is up there was a point in time but it continues on it's called a linear verb so you were washed and you are continually washed. You were sanctified, you're continually sanctified. You were justified, you're continually justified. So what you were is not who you have to be anymore. Amen. And basically, this is what the Word is saying is, don't go back. Don't take a step backwards and let the old life reinvade you. Live the new life. You're a believer in Jesus. You can do this. You can live differently. You can think and behave because of the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and then living in the practical, relevant Word of God. (coughs) Can you see me out of that, church? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. I pray that this word that we uh, walk through together, I pray it will have a profound effect. Lord, that we will be reminded of who we really are. And Lord, I just pray that we recognize that we really are different. God, we are different. And someday when we stand before you, Oh, we are just so thankful that, Jesus, you will be there with us. You will stand with us. You are our mediator, our arbitrator. You are the one who makes a way. I pray that none of us will ever forget that. And that will reframe how we live life. Lord, it is my hope and prayer that we can live in a way that's really healthy, unbelievably holy to you. And thank you, God, that when we mess up, (laughs) there is forgiveness. 
we can change. So I pray, God, for your, I pray for your best here, for every one of us here, that we can receive the very best of what you have for us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Tune in each week and be greatly inspired and moved to deeper revelation. For service times and other resources, go to our website at alsc.us or download our app. 